Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In the second episode of our The Days of Stephen series, Pastor Eric preaches from Acts 7 about Stephen's final words before his stoning. Stephen's sermon, coming from this layman who knew the truth and wasn't afraid to defend it, is the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. His conclusions were simple. Unbelief and rejection of revelation from God is prevalent, and Jesus is the foundation of our salvation greater than anything. What keeps you from placing Jesus first? How can you elevate Jesus in your life? And now, here's Pastor Eric. So we're looking at Acts 6, 7, and 8. And in those three chapters, this is what we see. The life of Stephen. His serving, his speech, and his stoning. We see his life, we see his words, and then we see his death. Or we could say that we see his witness, we hear his defense, and then we see his martyrdom next week there. We see the arrest, we see today the address, and then the attack. Or, if we're looking at it a different way, we could say this, that we kind of see the cause, the reaction, and then the result of his persecution. Stephen, so interesting of a man. He doesn't get the attention that Peter does or that Paul does, but you're going to see that he preaches the longest message in the book of Acts, and he is an amazing man. He is, in fact, the first man to die for Jesus Christ, faithful unto death. And so we need to look at the life of Stephen because in many ways we find ourselves living in the days of Stephen. Uh, A day when we need to serve and we need to minister. A day when we need to be bold in our witness, where we need to be able to proclaim, but a day when we also may face pushback, opposition, but maybe even physical persecution. Talk about that next week. In Acts chapter 7, where you open your Bibles this morning, we could kind of title today's sermon, Stephen preaches his funeral message. Because that's what he does, because you know what's coming, he's about to die. This is his funeral message. He preaches himself into a stoning, into into a death. In life, you've got to draw the line somewhere. Amen? In life, in today, you've got to take a stand somewhere. Right? You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. That's the country song that's a, a lot better than I believe most people are good. Uh, right? But you, you, need to, you need to draw the line. You need to take the stand. And, and Stephen does that and he, and he shows us the way as he preaches his funeral message. In order to draw the line, in order to take the stand, you have to have this lost word, conviction. Right? Ever, ever wondered where that's gone in the church? People with conviction. Somebody that, I just have a conviction. I have a boldness. I have something that I believe in that I'm ready to die for. This is where I, my conviction says I draw the line here and I, and I take this stand here. We live in the days of Stephen because we too will find ourselves facing opposition for the convictions that we believe in. You believe in marriage between one man and one woman for life? You believe in the creation of male and female? All of a sudden, there's a lot of culture beliefs that are coming up and opposing what we are convicted about, what we believe in. So when you face opposition, as Stephen is going to today, and he already really has his last week, what are your options? 
One of them said this, that you have three options when you face opposition. You can, number one, hide. You can, number two, rage. Or you can, number three, engage. And that's really how it is. When we face opposition, number one, we can hide. We can all get in our bubble and we can just isolate and think, withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. They're opposing me and just let's withdraw from everything and let's hide because they're attacking us or vilifying us, right, or persecuting us. You can hide. Maybe that's not best. You can, number two, you can rage. I'm blowing all up, right? I mean, you can get mad and you see people that have convictions and they think, oh, I'm mad now. And you can go in with a ball of fire and you can rage and that's not best. Stephen chooses the third option. He chooses to engage. In Acts chapter 7, the, the lengthy chapter, we see this, that we are to speak the Word with conviction. Speak the truth with conviction. Speak the Word of God. Speak the, the true message. Stand for that. Draw the line and say, I'm going to choose, no matter what comes in the days of Stephen or my days, to speak the Word, to speak the truth with conviction. Now, if you weren't here last week, you can go back online and check out the message from Acts 6. But we need to recall Stephen's five qualities. The Bible says as he was serving, as he was living his life, because you have to live before you die, you have to live it before you speak it, and you better speak it before you die. And that's kind of what he's doing in preaching his funeral message. But we said there were five qualities that Luke says about Stephen. Number one, he was full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6, verse 3 and 8, we see these five. Number two, he was full of wisdom full of faith, full of grace, and then full of power. Wisdom, grace, power, faith, full of the Spirit. This is Stephen. Remember him. He's, he's outstanding of those seven that were chosen to minister to the widows. And now we begin to learn more about him. He's been arrested and he's been charged with some things. So we pick up today, look at Acts chapter 7, verse 1. And the high priest of the Sanhedrin said to Stephen, who's been arrested, are these charges so? Are these charges true? Now, do you remember last week in Acts 6, we said that Stephen was charged with three things. Somebody name out one of them. He was charged against speaking against, number one? Crickets. Number two? Do you remember? Blasphemy against what? Three things. God, I heard it. Moses, the law, heard that one. And Wednesday night, you saw the temple. You knew it. You knew it. We're just not used to doing that in church. I just thought I'd try. Right? He, Stephen, you're charged with number one, speaking against God. Number two, speaking against the law or Moses. And then number three, speaking against this holy place, speaking against the, the temple. Remember that from last week? So now in Acts chapter 7, it, it opens with this, the high priest standing and saying to him, Stephen, are these things true? Are, are you against the law of Moses, which is, you know, God himself? Are you against this holy temple Everything that it stands for. Stephen, what about these charges? And now Stephen will speak directly to these three charges. He speaks the truth with conviction. And without saying it, get this, get this, without saying it, Stephen is going to say or imply Jesus is better than the law or Moses. Jesus is better than the temple. But in this great Jewish line of thinking, he never really has to say it. He can, he can imply it and... Uh, and he can allude to it, and they should get the point. This is Stephen's speech. Stephen's speech begins in verse 2, and it says, And Stephen said, and then it is recorded all the way through Acts 7 and verse what, 53 or 54, 
And then as we study the sermons in the book of Acts, we learn that this sermon, Stephen's sermon, is the longest recorded message in the book of Acts. Neat, isn't it? It's not Paul's, it's not Peter's. Stephen gets the, the lengthiest sermon. Not an apostle, not one that, yeah, just Deacon Stephen. He preaches. It's not the longest sermon in Acts. It's not given by an apostle or disciple. It's just given by a layman who knows the truth. And guess what? You and I have that same call to speak the truth and to witness. We all have that same call to preach and to proclaim. I'm not an apostle, and you aren't either. We're not prophets. We're the ordinary people of God called to speak the extraordinary truth of God. And Stephen does it, and it's beautiful. I need to tell you that Stephen has a point, because it's different. We have to think Jewish to understand Acts 7, and how in the world do I preach Acts 7 today? It's so long and it's filled with so many different points. This is an amazing sermon that I'm just going to try to, to give to you the, the high points. But Stephen comes to a, a great conclusion. I want you to see it first in chapter 7, verse 51. What if I came out here today with these words? You hard-headed and closed-eared people. <laughs> it's kind of his point. Verse 51 says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. He's basically saying you're hard-headed and your ears are closed. You, you are stubborn. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. The whole point of Stephen's sermon brings to this great conclusion, and here it is. I'll go ahead and give it to you before we read it, is this. You have unbelief. That's what he's saying. You're unbelieving. You have unbelief. And the whole point of the sermon is this. You have rejected revelation. You can write that down. You've rejected revelation. In this age, you rejected revelation. The Jews. In this age, you rejected revelation. We did. In this age, you rejected revelation. In this age, we reject revelation. Why? We don't believe it. We reject the truth. God, time and time again, comes to us and we, we don't heed His correction. We don't follow the truth. You have rejected revelation. In a lot of ways, Stephen is implying this. You're actually, Sanhedrin, you're actually speaking against God and the law and the prophets and the temple when you speak against Christ. That's his point. You're actually the one speaking against those charges that you put on me when you reject Jesus, that you're actually charging yourself with those things, you see? Stephen's great speech. You've rejected revelation. But maybe one big point that we need to also look at is this. Stephen knew God and he knew his Bible. Amen? You can't read Acts chapter 7 and get anything else, but you know this. Stephen knew God and he had a relationship with God. And that was his conviction. He knew God. And number two, he knew his Bible. How else could this guy, untrained perhaps as he was or, or sort of trained as he was, how could he have gotten up and without a Bible in his hand, just, just go, well, the Jews could, right? They memorized the Torah and other things, they, but just a, a verbal society. And just stand up and just preach from Abraham all the way to David. Why? He knew his Bible. Do I know the Bible that well? Do you know the Bible that well? You have to know it before you can speak it. We have to know it before we can speak it to our children. We have to know it before we can speak it at school or at the workplace. We have to know it. We have to draw the line and take the stand. And how can you do that if you don't know the verses and you don't know the Word of God? And as I read Acts 7, I just go, hey, Stephen was a guy that knew God. He knew Jesus. He knew the Bible. 
The Word of God is the message. We don't need another message, right? That's, I don't preach you know, the, the, the three ways to be happy and the four ways to financial success. And like you can find churches that, are, that will give you a lot of great messages. When you come to a Daresville Baptist church, this is the message. You know why? Because it's all in Scripture. This is the way they preach. This is the way Stephen preached. We preach this message, not my message, not a message. We preach the Word of God. So we're going to read. And as we read... I mean, you're seeing Stephen's speech, his point, you're, you're, you're understanding Stephen's Bible and the Bible that he read. And Stephen is going to break it down and he's going to recall three sections of Old Testament history. Three sections of Old Testament history. I'll say them and then you'll see them in the text. Number one is the patriarchs. The patriarchs, that's where he'll start. He'll start with the patriarchs. This is Abraham and Joseph. And in verses 2 through 17, this is the first part of his speech. Let's start with the patriarchs and let's see God and God's glory and let's see how we rejected revelation in the days of Abraham and the days of Joseph and let's just preach that. And number two, then he preaches the Exodus, right? It follows. Moses. Moses and then Joshua to verses 18 to 45. And then he ends with the monarchy, David and Solomon and the temple. David and Solomon and the temple. So let's read these three errors because this is what Stephen's going to do. Let's start with the first one, the patriarchs. Look at Acts chapter 7. Let's just go back to verse 1 and read through verse 17. Glad you're here. I want to say welcome to those watching by Facebook, to my neighbor. I hope you're watching, and uh, thanks for watching, and great to see you and any other church members that are there. You can join us, Acts 7. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory, that's who, always who we preach and who we should start with. The God of glory, it's about God, right? History is His story. The God of glory appeared to our Father. Let's start with the patriarchs. This is, he's preaching his Bible. Appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land, land is key in this section, and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. And then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans, and he lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length. But he promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them for a hundred years. That's the Exodus, right? But I, God said, will judge the nations that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, remember those brothers, jealous of Joseph, what they initially do to Joseph, sold him into Egypt, into slavery, but God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Do you know Genesis? You know your Bible? Who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. 
Jacob went down into Egypt and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver for the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt. We read this speech and you'd say, this is a real odd way of preaching your defense. You're preaching your funeral message here. They've asked you, are these charges true? You're guilty of speaking against God and, and law of Moses in the temple? And what do you have to say? And, and he just starts to preach the book of Genesis, right? Weird, we wouldn't quite do that. He's making some points, right? He's going somewhere with all of this. After the patriarchs, he begins to preach the second section of Old Testament history in his mind, and it is the Exodus. So look at verses 18 through 45. Until they multiplied there, until there arose over Egypt another king, that Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race, the Jews, and forced our fathers to expose their infants so they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born. Remember that? Hidden in the basket. And he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in the, his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, those Jews, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. Watch this. But they did not understand. Moses initially rejected and on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you're brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled, became an exile, wow, in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. Remember the burning bush? When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and didn't dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their groaning, and I've come down to deliver them. And now come, I'll send you to Egypt. This Moses... Watch this, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. We've seen you move, move mountains, do it again. We sang it. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Watch this, verse 39. But our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, the law. In their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. Remember the golden calf. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And they made a calf in those days. And they offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away, gave them over to the worship of the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? 
You took up the tent of Molech and the star of your God, Rephan, the images that you made to worship. I'll send you into exile beyond Babylon. Let's stop right there. We could do 44 and 45 because he's going to talk about Joshua. But you begin to see not just the patriarchs, but now the Exodus. And he's still kind of recalling the history, but also saying, look, even in that age, you rejected revelation. You initially rejected Moses, but then when you had the law, you rejected that. You didn't keep the commands. So Abraham and the land and the patriarchs and their mistakes, but also God's revelation. Okay, God's revelation on the mountain, the Ten Commandments and with Moses, but then the people still not keeping that very well. He's been charged of speaking against God and Moses, but what about the temple? Let's read the last section. Look at the monarchy, David and Solomon, but we'll pick it up with Joshua. Verse 44. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, the tabernacle, right? Before the temple, there was a tabernacle. Just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, the monarchy, King David, King Solomon, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him, the temple. Watch his point. Yet, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? It's as if he's saying, I don't, I don't need that temple. My presence is not solely confined right there. So Stephen has recalled the three sections of Old Testament history. And from those three eras, watch this. From those three eras, the land, the law, and the temple were three sacred pillars to the Jews. Oh yes, Father Abraham and the land promise and the, the, uh, the, the blood promise that we are our race and our Jews. That is such a sacred pillar. That's so important to us. Yes, the law, that sacred pillar, the, the commandments of Moses. And Stephen, you spoke against all three of these sacred pillars. And the, the temple, the temple that David wanted to build and made the preparations for. And then Solomon took it and, and totally ran with it, an amazing temple. And, and Jesus, you spoke against that. And Stephen, you're speaking against it. And eventually Paul will be charged with speaking against those three sacred pillars. And here's what Stephen's point is without saying it. He's saying... Yeah, I'm going to allude to all three of those sacred pillars. And if you do some destination dig VBS and you do some archaeology and you dig down below those pillars, you actually would see that all three sit on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Wow. Now he's preaching, but our, we don't think and preach Jewish, but this is kind of what he's doing with all kinds of illusions. He's saying, and you're missing it. You don't understand that the patriarchs and the exodus and the monarchy and those three pillars that are so sacred to you, your, your heritage and your, your commandments and your law and your temple, you don't understand that Jesus is the foundation and that now because of the New Testament, we've brushed away and we've actually discovered that it all rests on Him, that, that, that everything, the temple's a fulfillment and just a shadow and the law is Jesus fulfilled it and that's just a shadow and Jesus comes from this line and if you'll just get down to it, you'll discover Jesus. Stephen is saying without saying it, and Jesus is greater. 
Now that's beautiful, isn't it? Jesus is greater. And He's done it in this Jewish way of historical retrospect to look back. And we don't, we don't talk or teach that way, but they would have. And, and He's saying, look, history is His story. Don't you see God? And one of His big points is this, and didn't you see that God is a God of a process? In this age and era, and in this age and era, and in this age and era, and in each age and in each era, what, what was coming? New revelation. And then the law. And then God did something new. And then boom, in a, in a different era, or we could call it a dispensation, God was revealing and, and there, was, there were new things that were coming out. And God is a God of, of a process and there's this progress in history. Understand? That's what Stephen is saying. History is his story, and Stephen's going to tell it to the glory of God. As he said, the glory of God of glory appeared. That's the way he starts. And he's like, and God did this, and God did this in his process, and in different eras. And what he's saying is this, dispensations change, but God does not. God is faithful. And he's saying, and God has been faithful in the patriarchs, and God has been faithful in the exodus, and God was faithful in the monarchy. But he says, ah, but catch this other point. Mankind never was. <laughs> Mankind was faithless or unfaithful in this age and in this age. And in this. So what he's saying is, God was faithful in all these things, but in each and every age, don't you see what our heart is like? We're unfaithful and we're unfaithful and we reject Joseph and we reject Moses and we've kind of made a mockery out of this temple. So he's kind of saying, don't you see? You, you may need to dust down and say, hey, wait, maybe God's doing something new and maybe Jesus is the new and the new testament and the new covenant is here and the new Messiah is here. And He's always revealing Himself and just like we've rejected Revelation in all three of those areas, maybe we're guilty of rejecting Revelation right now. That's, that's an amazing sermon that Stephen preaches. Amazing. So, Stephen knows his Bible. Do you know the story of redemption? This is redemption's story. Do we know it? Do you know the story of redemption from the Bible? Can you tell it? To your children, can you tell it to a lost classmate or a lost coworker? Can I give you the story of the Bible in ten C's? Just ten C's, five for the Old Testament and five for the New. We could say it this way: Creation starts with that Genesis. Then quickly to corruption. That's the next C. From creation to corruption, and then to the covenants, because God loves His people. And after the covenants, there were the commands, because the commands are always built on the covenants. And after the commands, because they couldn't keep them so well, there was conquering, a whole lot of conquering back and forth, kings and chronicles. And then there was a ceasing, 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and New Testament. Creation, corruption, <laughs> covenants, which are so important, commands and conquering, and then a ceasing, a pause. And then you go to the New Testament. Well, what does the New Testament begin with? Christ, right? And after Christ, it's about His crucifixion and resurrection with that. But after Christ and the crucifixion comes the book of Acts, and we see the establishment of the church. It's the third C. But after the church, you begin to get a whole lot of epistles that write about the Christian life and tell us who we are in the Christian life and how we're to live the Christian life. And then you end the book of Revelation with the conclusion, right? That's the big story of just, can you tell the story of the Bible from creation to conclusion? See, God's doing something. And Stephen's journeying right, right with them and he's trying to get them to see you're, you're right here at a turning point. Just, will you just see Jesus? I told you Stephen shows that in each of those eras, Israel had sinned, Israel had rejected revelation, 
rejected truth. And of all people, the 71 elders of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, they should have understood this. They, of all people, should have been open to Jesus, but they weren't. In some ways, we could say that, that Stephen is saying this, and it's true about anything and everything. It all culminates in Christ. This all culminates in Christ. Our life it all culminates in, in Christ. It will, it will come in Christ and his, even His second coming. So we get to the point. There's this amazing turning point that takes place in verse 51. I just read it to you. He goes from a whole lot of words like our fathers and we and our and we and our and then he goes in verse 51 and you. <laughs> from we to you. You stubborn, stick-necked, stick-necked, hard-hearted, uncircumcised people that you don't love the word, you don't, you've rejected. I mean, he's, now he's stepping on to, he is telling it like it is. Speak the word with conviction. He's doing it. We move from we to you. And he says, you've got hard heads and deaf ears. And would I just say that the church and our culture still has hard heads and deaf ears today? You may have a hard head and a deaf ear. I may have a hard head and a deaf ear. I do, a lot of times. Look at verses 51 through 53. He concludes his sermon with these words, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit in every era, in every age, even now. You've always done it. We always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, capital R, capital O. Who is the righteous one? Jesus Christ. He now speaks of Jesus. They killed the righteous one. He says, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You, who received the law as delivered by angels, messengers, and did not keep it. Jesus, he preaches Jesus not much about Jesus. They get the point. He's made all the allusions and all the... They, they understand exactly what he's saying. You know that because they're about to stone him. You don't get stoned unless you speak something that they fully get and they don't like. But he says Jesus is the righteous one. You, you betrayed him. He was betrayed. He's murdered. Maybe some of what Stephen is saying is this. You know just how Joseph was initially rejected by his brothers? You know how Moses was... Uh, initially rejected, they didn't want him, who are you to lead us? Well, just like Joseph was rejected and just like Moses was rejected, so was Jesus. Initially. You know, eventually they accepted Joseph. Eventually they accepted Moses. And guess what? Eventually the world will accept Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Stephen, speaking of Jesus, and he's saying this, we don't need the law for salvation. You don't need it anymore. You don't need a temple for salvation. If you were here Wednesday night, you don't need it. You've got to turn from those things. Salvation is found in the righteous one. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And so he's saying this to them, you may need to leave the former for the better. You may need to leave the old for the new. I would tell you that today. You may need to leave the former for the better. If, if your former involves legalism and guilt and shame, you need to leave that for the better. Grace in Jesus Christ. If your former is hard hearts and closed ears, you need to leave that former for the better. If you're trusting in something, you know, salvation by works, by what you do and your acts, no. You need to leave the former for the better. Something new. Jesus is the new. Stephen is saying that. The new is here and you're resisting the new and you're resisting the Holy Spirit. It's as if, as we wind down, it's as if seeing what Stephen in his sermon was saying this, 
Maybe, maybe three things. Number one, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. Can you do that in the Bible? Just look at all what God has done over history. Look at what God has done. Number two, look at what you've received. Look at all the blessings and benefits that you received, the Jews themselves, but also us. as a Look at what God has done and look at all that you've received. And then number three, it's like He's saying, and look at what you're doing now. Even he could say it to us, like, and look at what, look at what all God has done, and look at what you've received, America, and look at what you're doing now. How's that, how's that going for you? Look at what you're doing now. You're missing Christ. You're missing truth. You're missing Jesus. And they did. And many still do. They miss the righteous one. Pretty amazing sermon, isn't it? But you know Acts 6 before 7. He lived this before. He didn't just go preaching. He served. He waited tables. He was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and power and grace and faith and he did wonders and he spoke the truth in the small times and then he gets this great opportunity and he says, oh, I'll, preach my, I'll preach my funeral message. I got conviction for this. I'll draw the line. I'll take the stand. What's the application? First, we see this. Don't reject God's revelation. That's his point. Don't reject God's revelation. Don't reject the truth. Church, don't reject the truth. However it comes, whatever the verse or passage is, whatever topic it is, don't reject the truth. Don't go after the culture, the YouTube truth that's out. Go after this truth. Don't reject the truth. Why do you walk out of the truth? Why do you walk away from God's revelation? Don't reject it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 gave a warning. Hebrews contains five warnings. Great Bible study. Go find them. One of them comes in Hebrews 12, 25. He says this, warning. Hebrews 12, 25. See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. Warning. Don't refuse Him who is speaking. He goes on, he says, For if they didn't escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns from heaven? <laughs> Don't refuse Him who's speaking today. Don't reject God's truth. Don't reject God's revelation. Maybe the application is this. Don't resist what God is doing in the church or in your life. Don't resist what God is doing. He says this. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Why? Why do we resist the Holy Spirit? Why am I prone to do that? Why are you prone to do that? How could we resist the Holy Spirit? They were resisting the Holy Spirit. They were resisting the truth, the revealed revelation of, of God. We have it. Don't resist. How well do you receive correction? I don't. Anybody like it? Like, oh, please, correct me. Like, we hate it in our culture. And so, I don't receive correction well. The Sanhedrin didn't receive that correction very well, did they? Stephen preaches and he corrects and they're just like us. Pfft, you ain't correcting me. I'll stone you. I'll kill you. I'm out of this job. I'm out of this place. You didn't tell me what to do. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I'm correct. We're all correct, aren't we? I mean, you're correct. We, that's what we, I mean, I walk around. I'm just correct about everything in life. So are you, right? You just let, we just talk about how correct we are. How do you receive correction? Do you receive correction? Can you receive correction? When's the last time you received correction? And, and the point is this, like, do we let the Word correct us? Or we think we got it all figured out? Like, do I let the Word come and get on my toes and correct me and me repent and go, yes, God, I, I won't resist the Holy Spirit. I won't reject your revelation. Yes, I'm convicted in that area. I confess it as sin. I repent. I stand corrected. Would, would the, we told him Wednesday night, would I, have, would I have repented and said I was wrong? I'd have held to the temple like nobody else. I'd have said God's presence has been there from the time of Solomon on and you ain't going to tell me that we're moving from the temple, right? 
I probably wouldn't have listened and heeded correction. Do you heed correction? Can we as a, a church? I think that's part of the application. Will they receive correction? Will we receive correction? Don't resist the truth. Don't reject it. Don't resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do, even if it's something that seems new to you. The newness on the Word. If it's the Word, it's the Word. So Stephen preaches. His address, his message, his, his speech, his defense, his words, and then the reaction and the result will come next week. Amazing, excited about that sermon, although it's tragic. But we said Stephen's life's that merging of victory and tragedy. And as Stephen preaches, there's a man standing nearby. You know his name, Saul. Later changed to Paul. Saul's standing nearby. He'll hang on to the jackets and the cloaks and the coats while they stone Stephen because that's pretty physical of a job to lift those heavy stones and to kill somebody. You take the coat off and Saul will guard that. But Saul listens to this message and I think that it was one of the goads, right? Paul, why do you kick against the goads? I think for the rest of his life. Oh, that sermon of Stephen goads me. It's pricking me. It's getting on my toes. I mean, I know that the Damascus Road is what led to Paul's conversion, but I think this plays a great part. How could you stand there and see a man die for his faith and draw the line and take the stand and say, no turning back. <laughs> Preach it and then pow, and then that not change your life. <laughs> Saul hears. He hears the message. And thank the Lord you have the message. We have the message today. I get to preach it today. You get to hear it today. We preach the message. And just like Stephen, we've walked all through Genesis and Exodus and we walked through some of the kings and we got to Jesus and we preached His story, the redemption story. Thank God you have the message of truth of Jesus. So we have an invitation now to give. Instruments will come and play and we'll, we'll stand. And so like Stephen, I pray that you'll stand. And the first step is to stand with boldness in this age, to stand with conviction. As you rise to your feet, I'm going to ask you, stand with boldness, stand with conviction. And this week, if you just need three or four things, do these three or four things. Number one, receive the Word. Just receive it. Receive the truth. Receive the Word. Read it. Receive it into your heart, what you know you're supposed to do. Read it. Receive it. Number two, know it. Know it, not just know it, but I mean in your heart, know it, internalize it, and then speak it. Speak the Word over your family. Speak the Word in the situation. Speak the Word in the culture. Don't hide or rage. Engage. Speak the truth. Speak the Word. May we do those. And last, pray the Word. I'm going to ask you to pray the Word this morning. Take a stand and make your way to the altar. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.